Hi everyone and welcome to the BU Mum podcast. I'm Annie, mum, wife, nutritional therapist, music lover and believer that animal print will never go out of fashion. I believe that we are at our most happiest and healthiest when all parts of ourselves are aligned and singing in harmony, the mind, body, heart and spirit. For me, like most, motherhood has been life-changing. It has opened up so many opportunities to learn more about myself and grow and become a better version of me and generally better human being. So this is what this podcast is all about. Conversations with awesome people who will inspire, inform and empower you to be more you at your brightest and best. Just like health and happiness, I believe there is no one-size-fits-all approach to motherhood. Learning to better understand, love and be yourself is one of the greatest gifts we can give our children. So I hope you will join me on this podcast journey of self-discovery, self-growth and self-love because when we connect with ourselves and step into our personal power, our mummy magic can truly shine. So please keep listening and remember, always be more you. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 12 of the Be You Mum podcast with me, Annie Breen. This week I am super excited to be joined by Sandra Greenbank. Sandra is a nutritional therapist, coach and functional medicine practitioner specialising in fertility, prenatal and postpartum health. Having worked in this field for over the last 10 years, as well as bringing up three little children, Sandra brings a wealth of both professional and personal experience to her client work. She runs a busy practice and consults one-to-one with clients all over the world via Zoom, as well as running her practice locally in Harpenton, where she is based. I was really, really excited to pick Sandra's brains around fertility um, in our discussion today. Unfortunately, we're seeing a lot of um, more challenges and issues around fertility and reproductive health in both men and women. Sandra shared her wealth of knowledge and factors that she sees time and time again in her practice, including things like imbalances in hormonal health, conditions like PCOS that can slip by the radar, thyroid imbalances. We talk about inflammation, gut health and stress. We also talk about unexplained fertility and how this seems to be on the rise and a lot of the time how this is just under-investigated. So we talk about the difference um, between the conventional approach and the functional medicine approach and some of the tools that um, Sandra has access to in terms of testing to look a little bit deeper and get to the root cause. We talk about male fertility challenges, that it's not always um, just a female. In fact, male infertility issues are on the rise. And Sandra shares some things that we can do to support or men can do to support their sperm health. We talk about the importance of preparing the body with healthy nutrition and lifestyle choices. Sandra shares her four pillars, which she uses within the programs that she runs. And this is very much looking at the foundational things that really need to be in place, regardless if you then go and do IVF. They're things like food, food as medicine, using food as information, nourishing the body, sleep, how crucial that is for the body to recover, repair, and rebalance. And then, of course, stress and self-care. And Sandra's tips are really achievable. She's very, very practical in terms of not adding more stress to your load, but actually helping you um, create opportunities within your everyday lifestyle to bring in some of these interventions that really do make a big difference. We talk about some of the testing tools that Sandra uses. We talk about hormone testing, Um, and sometimes testing around DNA and toxins and there really is a lot of choice out there there's a there's a lot of options and the amazing thing about how Sandra works is she's very realistic she gives you the recommendations that are going to give you the best information and that you can really take action on 
Sandra shares some interventions, nutrition and lifestyle recommendations that we can go and implement in our day-to-day life now. She really is a wealth of knowledge. I think we cover so much in this episode. Um, I really, really enjoyed our conversation and found it really informative. So I hope that you enjoy it as much as I did. So also at the end, um, Sandra has been really generous and given us a discount code um, for our listeners today to go and use um, on one of her programs. So I will share details of that at the end. So without further ado, let's get into episode 12. So hi, Sandra. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you. Oh, I'm so excited. Um, Yeah, like I'm really excited to get into the subject around fertility. I think it's something that is unfortunately on the rise in terms of problems around fertility and challenges and infertility Um, and I just wondered if you could start off by introducing yourself and tell our listeners a bit about what you do and what led you to become um, focused on this area or so passionate about this area of health. Oh gosh I'll try to keep it short. (laughs) So uh, I'm from Sweden originally and I've lived in England now for about 20 years um, makes me feel very old. Um, more, I've actually lived here longer than I lived in Sweden, hilariously. So, um, but yeah, I uh, I lived in London for a long time and uh, worked in accounts in uh, TV and media and advertising before deciding to retrain as a nutritional therapist. And as a lot of us have had this experience that you know we have a health problem of our own, and then we kind of a nutritionist and everything's kind of you know uh, changes and then uh, so what I wanted to do was kind of learn how to do what, what, you know to help people and I was going to go out and heal the world mm-hmm. um, and then uh, so that was about 15 years ago now that I kind of got into the studies at ION the Institute of Optimum Nutrition uh, which is in Richmond and um, yeah I mean I absolutely loved uh, everything about learning about nutrition and functional medicine and and um, initially I was working a lot with people who were dealing with stress you know that was kind of where uh, I suppose the root cause of a lot of the issues that people that I knew in my my circles you know in the media industry um, were dealing with I suppose and I always had a special interest in fertility Mm. Um, and what happened was I had three children and each of them had well actually my first one ended up in special care she was quite ill when she was newborn and then you know I guess when you had to have kids you know it's never kind of straightforward it's never easy there's always something that goes (laughs) wrong or you know and you start thinking about like how can I improve their health and what could I have done differently and you know I started reading up more about that and then my husband actually got quite ill at one point and um, he was found to have a tumor on his lung when my youngest was really really tiny and it was a really traumatic time because I was terrified of getting left alone with three small children under I think they're all under five at the time Wow! and um, we were moving house and it was incredibly stressful and um, I think I just when things when something like that happens to you you just start thinking why am I here Mm. what's my purpose in life you know what is my kind of legacy and all this stuff um that um I guess runs through your mind when something quite shocking is is happening to you and I realized that actually you know I mostly enjoyed working with couple the couples who had been struggling to have a baby and actually to help them have that um that healthy healthy family and and it was my um I also realized that you know children's health really starts in the womb or even before you get pregnant Mm. you know the mum really needs to be fully kind of um, loaded up and all the right nutrients and things to build all the right neural pathways and the brain and immune system and all of this stuff and there's not really that much out there in terms of you know we get told what not to eat but we don't really get told how to optimize our nutrition for um, 
children's health, but also for, for maternal health, because the pregnancy takes so much out of you. Mm. And um, I thought that if I could change the families at the time of, you know, when they were trying for a baby or whilst they were pregnant, that would change it, potentially change the trajectory of that entire family's health and future generations as well. So um, I suppose I saw that as that being my legacy, all those healthy babies that, you know, with the parents didn't think it was possible to have a baby. And, you know, I have so many of them now and, um, you know, out there, and I call them all my babies. <laughs> oh, that's so lovely. Yeah, but I suppose, you know, I feel it gives me a sense of purpose and, you know, contentment. And that's that's why I've cho- chosen to um, focus on, on that only. So I, 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 do, I do fertility pregnancy and I work with uh, women postpartum as well through that kind of fourth trimester, which I think is so forgotten about in the modern day. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I hope that makes sense. But um, yeah, it absolutely does. And what an incredible story! I've got goosebumps listening to that. And you know, we talk about having a really strong sense of why, and like you said, that contribution, that legacy, and um, what an amazing path to go down, and what an amazing reason why as well. And. You're absolutely right. I think, you know, if we can support the mother and as early as possible, then the outcomes on the family, communities is just so much better. Um, My experience is that we go into pregnancy depleted already. You know, our just diets are quite depleted. We're quite stressed. We're on the go. Um, So absolutely, you know, the work that you do is so, so much needed because, it's just understanding what we can do ourselves, like mothers as gatekeepers. And that's not to put extra stress on mums or pressure. It's actually empowering that there's so much you can do from your kitchen, cupboards and fridge, you know, to really look after yourself and then improve those outcomes. So I absolutely love that. And what I will just say, Sandra, like you're definitely um, – you're there in terms of, you know, what you do in, uh, with fertility. You're very well known on the nutrition scene, but also you're so helpful to other practitioners. Uh, whenever there's questions in some of the closed groups, you're there. You're so helpful. So I just wanted to say that you really are a wealth of knowledge and it's amazing the work you do. Um, like so, the more you learn, the more you think you feel like you don't know, if that makes sense. Like yeah. the more you kind of like, you learn so much all the time. Do you find that? Yes, like, <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And you know what? What we're talking about today, there'll be some new research tomorrow, won't there? There'll be something else that's very fast-paced and fast-evolving. Um, what What are you seeing then? So, with your clients, um, what sort of factors are coming up time and time again? Or when clients come to engage with you? What are some of the common kind of challenges that you're seeing or maybe um, underlying factors in fertility? So what, what I see a lot is people have, I see PCOS a lot, mm. um, polycystic ovaries, uh, ovarian syndrome. So what happens is when you have PCOS, uh, it affects your ovulation. Um, it also has other, it comes with other symptoms, like for example, an inability to lose weight, uh, insulin resistance and things like this. So what happens is women are told when they go to the GP and they say, oh, we've been trying for a baby, we can't get pregnant. They go, okay. And they run some very basic tests and they say, well, there's nothing wrong with you. So you're going to have to have IVF or you've, or they get told you have PCOS and you're going to have to have IVF. And then the IVF clinic goes, you need to lose weight before you're eligible for IVF. And then they're stuck in this space where they can't lose weight because their kind of biochemistry is working against them. They're stressed, time's running out. And actually what they need is for somebody to say, this is how to eat. These are the supplements mm. to take. This is, you know, because what, what I see is that people try to starve themselves they overexercise, and all of this affects your horm- hormones really negatively. And there's just not enough help out there. And there's, um, you know, I also see thyroid disease. You know, it's very poorly understood, unfortunately, still in the in the um, uh, conventional medical community. And you know, the research shows that actually the optimal values are not um, 
the ones that they are using in a kind of NHS setting, unfortunately. And so we need mm. to kind of start working with optimal um, ranges as opposed to normal, which we all know, you know, you can feel quite unwell, even if you're quote unquote normal, um, and especially when it comes to thyroid disease. So what, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to bridge that gap. I, I don't, I don't ever advocate just seeing a nutritional therapist and ignoring what your doctors are telling you. I think it's very much a partnership. Mm. And, you know, a lot of my clients do end up having IVF or needing IVF, and that's totally fine. But I think you should never, ever go into an IVF cycle without fully preparing for, you know, preparing the body and also, you know, with the nutrition so that you can... A, build a healthy baby, B, stay well yourself, C, deal with all the kind of um, onslaught of all the drugs and the hormones that you're subjected to, but also your mental health and your mental well-being. So we work on the kind of mind-body kind of uh, connection as well, because it's extremely stressful um, to to go through that, that's, you know, all of that. And... um, I also see a lot of secondary infertility, actually. And um, secondary infertility basically means that you've had a baby or two or several and you can't get pregnant again. Mm. And what I think people don't understand is that actually this is more common than primary infertility. And people don't talk so much about it because, you know, infertility is a taboo subject anyway. But when you've already got a baby, you almost feel like you're not you don't belong in that kind of community where, you know, you feel guilty for kind of complaining that you, you know, you can't get pregnant again because there are so many people in a worse situation. They haven't got one. And so what you find is that people don't talk about it. So you think you're the only one who's struggling with this. Yeah. And I wholeheartedly believe it's down to what you said that, uh, you know, a pregnancy or having a child that takes so much out of you, Mm. Um, you know, it's the sleep deprivation. We don't have time to eat properly because, you know, we're trying to deal with work, children, house, you know, the pressures on us are so great. The food that we are eating isn't as nutritiously kind of dense as it used to be. Convenience food just isn't kind of really hitting the mark. Um, so we're, we, we're kind of depleted, depleted in many ways. And so um, a lot of my work is just kind of trying to build build up that um, health again. Mm-hmm. Um, they also see a lot of male fertility or, you know, men being told that their semen analysis is fine. And I always, 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 always say, get a copy, get me a copy, I want to see it. And then it's maybe again in range but it's so borderline and so if we can just improve that a little bit and actually what I'm seeing is that men have maybe some infection that's you know not giving them any symptoms and it's it's just a very simple uh, course of antibiotics and you know they're off they go and and they they are fine and um, there's so much misunderstanding when it comes to male fertility Um, I think that's because most people who work with in the fertility, most consultants are obstetricians. They're not urologists. Mm-hmm. Um, so they just don't focus on the men. And what ends up happening is females end up having all the treatment for something that's actually not their problem in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen this. I've seen this quite a lot. And um I don't know, have you read the research from Dr. Zach Bush or he, he's done a podcast on the Rich Roll podcast and he says that one in four women have PCOS. This is America, but I think he's done his research sort of worldwide and one in three men are infertile. And with such a major rise in infertility, um, if the tra- trajectory continues, the human race will be completely infertile within the next 70 years. And, and that's a scary statistic. And there's a whole plethora of factors in that. And his research is very much around toxicity and farming and the microbiome. But um, it's not just the woman. And it can take, it's our environment, it's all sorts of different factors. But I do see a huge focus and pressure 
on women and and yes okay maybe they're more likely to step forward and engage with us and get some help um but do you do you sort of encourage both do you work with men and women or obviously you work with together yeah it, i mean sometimes it's not possible uh mm. sometimes they you know they're just not willing to engage to my partner and, and it's a shame but i I absolutely uh, always see them as a couple if it's possible, mm. um, either together in the first consultation and then we kind of carry on with either one or the other or or I will see one and then I'll have a private consultation with the, with the other depending on. So a lot of my clients are kind of all over the world and they're sort of traveling and stuff. So, you know, sometimes it's piecing together the consultations and, you know, um, but I always think it's, it's definitely worth working together because I do even if there's a female side that's you know there isn't something like pcos and they do need to change i mean how hard is it to change your lifestyle when somebody else is in the house having all the stuff that you can't have yeah you're kind of oh you know whenever i try to give up coffee i fail miserably because my husband's there and making coffee in the morning <laughs> yeah. and i'm like all i want is that and it, it's so hard um yeah, I remember once last year I had this couple come in and see me. Actually, they were in, in, in my physical clinic in Harpenden, and she had PCOS. Her partner came in, and he he sat with his arms crossed and said, "There's nothing wrong with me." My doctor said my results fine. Wouldn't bring the result. Wouldn't ask for the results. I could see it. And then he said he just sat there and said, "Well, she just can't." you know, she just eats ice cream every night and she just has like chocolate every night and it's her willpower that's a problem. And I said, okay, well, how about you also don't have that and you can both go for a walk or something around the block together or whatever it is to kind of, you know, and he was like, why should I? Wow. <laughs> I like, this, is so, this is so hard, but, you know, I managed to, but... What, and the other situation I end up in is that, women, you know, women are kind of very, very focused and they kind of like lived their life to the letter, which I don't necessarily recommend either because that's not particularly healthy. But, you know, and then they're like whipping the laptop off the partner's lap because they shouldn't be, you know, have technology near their precious jewels, you know, or, or mm. having a drink in the pub or, you know, and it's like, it's so much better. The dynamics are so much better if, if it's me saying those things and kind of justifying it from my experience or my, 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 my research and kind of, it just takes that pressure off. I yeah. Absolutely. And having that guidance of what really needs to be focused on and not feeling you have to overhaul everything. I think it's looking at where you can make the biggest differences. And you're absolutely right. Sometimes health can become obsessive in itself and cause more stress. And with that being your goal, it's all consuming, isn't it? It completely takes over. It's hard to focus on anything else. So I think it's, it's for me, it's the education as well, which I know you do a lot of that um, why is the thyroid so important? Why is adrenal so important? You know, what's going on with your hormones? Because this whole unexplained fertility thing, for me, it's, it's more sort of under-investigated, not unexplained, that, you know, that the doctors, the conventional medical professionals are not necessarily deep, digging deep enough. Um, they'll, they'll do the surface level stuff, which can be really helpful and it absolutely is a partnership, like you said, but they'll miss stuff. And I just wonder on that, if you're seeing people with thyroid imbalances or PCOS or these sort of hormonal conditions, what sort of symptoms do people present with and what sort of investigations would you carry out with those symptoms? So PCOS, you know, it could be, it depends a little bit depending on what type of PCOS you have. There are different types, but what you would typically find is that you get that male, because it's, a, it's an, um, a, a male hormone kind of excess situation. So you end up having that hair on your chin, uh, on the inside of your thighs, kind of that hirsutism, which is not just that one rogue hair that we've probably all got, but, you mm. know, when it gets, you know, you get almost like a mustache, um, male pattern baldness, um, an inability to lose weight, especially around the middle. Um, and it, it, thyroid, you know, again, thyroid is kind of like your body's thermostat. So we can tune it up or tune it down. And if it's tuned down, which means that your thyroid is 
functioning if it's slower than it should um uh, you were hypothyroid situation then everything is a bit slowed down so you feel cold again you, you struggle to lose weight you might be tired sluggish constipated um what else yeah your, your skin might be dry you, your hair might be coarse mm. again it depends a little bit on um who, how you know what you're presenting with uh, also a, you know a hallmark of thyroid disease is you know an inability to get pregnant or stay pregnant mm-hmm. um, and so what I tend to do is I will if possible I will always send them back to the GP to get a test uh, you know and I, I might write to the GP or I will send them back with um, you know a list of tests that I would like them to have um, because obviously that's you know money saves money with the thyroid I think it's quite important to get a full picture of the thyroid and you can't really get that through the NHS, unfortunately. So they will test two of the markers and we really want about five or six markers to get a full picture of what's going on with the thyroid without delving into it too much. But um, Mm. I would generally recommend a private test for that. It's not particularly expensive, but I think it's really, really important. And that's on the female side. And then I might run, um, when it comes to hormonal conditions, there's a test called the Dutch test that I I love. um, Yeah. Urine test. Uh, It is quite expensive, but it's it's an investment that's worth doing, I think, if there's uh, hormonal imbalances involved. Um, When it comes to male fertility, you know, a standard semen analysis, which you can get from your doctor, I always try to get a semen culture as well, where they just try and look at what bacteria that might be growing. Um, especially if there's like morphology issues, so whether where the sperm doesn't look uh, quite right. Mm. Um, if the female keeps getting um, urinary tract infections, that's kind of a um, another sign that I think, you know, could it be, or cystitis, like could it be something that's coming in? Um, there's uh, uh, a lab called Examine Labs that do a DNA fragmentation test, which again, I think is really important to have um, when it, we look at male fertility. And again, it's not something that's available through the NHS. Um, it's about 200 pounds and you can just buy it straight from them. It's called the Sperm Comet. And okay. it looks at the DNA inside of the head of the sperm. So the DNA inside of the head is what gets passed on to the egg. and you know, makes up half of the DNA of the baby. And if that's not um, intact, yeah. you, you can't have a viable pregnancy. And a really healthy egg can make up for some of that, but not all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, if we've got, you know, an older, two, slightly older partners trying to get pregnant, you know, it's really important that we optimize both sides because, you know, we don't we don't want to kind of miss a piece of the puzzle. And so that test is really, really um, important, I think. And you can have damaged sperm with a normal semen analysis. Um, so, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, I, I love those tests too. And it just gives you such an in-depth insight into the body, doesn't it? it? It gives you so much information. Obviously, you need support to have it interpreted. But I just think you it's very empowering to have that and it can help with a protocol when things can feel really overwhelming and, oh my goodness, what's going on? It kind of helps um, really hone in on where it needs the most support. So I, I love those tests as well. And I think, you know, if someone is going um, to go towards IVF, these processes, these pathways have to be working well. Like the thyroid is just so influential in health and growing a baby and um, it's maintaining the pregnancy like you said as are our hormones you know they need to kind of be um, on board and, and um, in, ba- in balance or in harmony at least yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. so I, I love those tests too and um, so in terms of like some of the basics when it comes to really preparing the body for um, a healthy pregnancy and for fertility what would you be recommending? What are some of maybe the diet and lifestyle uh, recommendations that um, you you give to your clients? So when it comes to preparing, so I I kind of I always look at the four pillars of mm-hmm. um, you know the foundation. So I um, as you know I've got a um, an online course um, which kind of mirrors what I do in one on one clinic, but it's got four 
pillars of uh, the foundations of fertility that I call it. So uh, food always first, you must eat the right foods. Uh, there's so, so, so much research now that shows that even just something like changing the types of carbohydrates you have can actually improve your chances of getting pregnant. So, you know, getting away from that kind of white, sticky, fluffy foods, um, you know, white buns, sweet foods, white rice, white pasta, and changing it for something more like whole grains or, um, you know, rather than having the uh, fine cooked, quick cooked oats, what's it called? You know, really? they just pour water when it's ready. Um, yes. Go for something steel cut, you know, because that just takes a little bit longer for your body to kind of break down and um, it stops those insulin spikes, which can be inflammatory. Um, and, you know, the, the white carbohydrates that really tend to, contain that many nutrients anymore um so having the right types of carbs um having plenty of fruit and vegetables so i would say aim for seven eight nine ten portions a day uh, which might seem overwhelming to you know for some people but you know the five a day doesn't really cut it so if you're having three or four or five a day you know try and add a couple every day and see if you can build up you know and it doesn't have to be huge portions it could just be like a handful of cocktail tomatoes as a snack instead of like a biscuit you know or or whatever and um or just add an, a, a small side of something and i'm a huge fan of batch cooking and just having you know just kind of having stuff that's ready to just pile up on a plate um, mm. uh, so the right types of carbohydrates lots and lots of vegetables because your, your antioxidants are coming from there which are, mm. is you know protective for your dna mm. um you must have enough proteins because those are the building blocks of your baby yeah. and if you don't have all the amino acids you can't you know you, you're just going to be on the back foot straight away and this you know it's it's very, you know, I love the idea of people eating more vegetarian, plant-based foods, but you must not forget um, about the, the proteins and making sure that you're not missing out on nutrients. Um, and then, you know, the right types of fats, of course, you know, um, every cell membrane in our body is made up of the fats that comes from our diets. So if those fats are hydrogenated, like um, you, the types of fats, for example, in the foods that are shelf-stable, prepackaged food that's you know tends to be trans fats or hydrogenated fats, and actually they affect. If you have a lot of those, they they do affect our cell signaling and um, you know how good our cells are at communicating with the hormones that are floating around in the blood and things like that. So you know we need to make sure that we're getting the right types of fat and and you know not going low fat as well because we need fat to make our hormones and we need to have healthy um you know healthy self signaling and, and 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 everything else so you know low fat is a big no-no um you know avocados um olive oil um and and you know all of the kind of oily fish it's really important to include that in your diet um the second um pillar is lifestyle and i would say stress stress management is quite important uh I'm not, I would, I'm not the sort of person who would ever tell you that you need to relax and you'll get pregnant. That's not how it works. Um, but stress depletes a lot of nutrients and it does affect our hormones as well. Um, and sleep is so underrated. Yeah. Um, it's seen as weak, unproductive, you know, whatever. It's not, you know, we all need to sleep seven, eight, nine hours, even a night, you know, it's, really important and if, if you're not getting enough sleep I would say that's the number one place to kind of go a bit fix um, mm -hmm. um, exercise is important but not over exercising um, and then supplements you know it's so important to get good quality supplements and get the right ones um, mm -hmm. I would say anything from a supermarket probably not going to cut it anything from a kind of high street pharmacist it's not going to be the best quality supplement. So mm. um, get paid for. Um, yeah, definitely agree on that one. And, you know, there's a difference, isn't there, between some of the forms in which the vitamins and minerals come in in terms of how sort of bioavailable or how well absorbed they are in the body. There's, 
you know, it comes up about the whole folic acid and folate kind of debate. And do, do you mind just clarifying that about the, the sort of quality around that? So, so, the, so folic acid is something that everybody gets told to take because we know that it prevents spina bifida. Uh-huh. And the nation is so depleted in, in this nutrient. So um, there's even talk about putting it in the, our flour now to make sure that everybody gets it because people don't, you know, aren't taking the, the supplement. But folic acid is not a nutrient that's found in nature. It's a, um, a synthetic uh, form of uh, folate, which is found in nature. So folate is found in things like our dark green leafy vegetables, um, and so folate is, um, a much more like you, you said, a bioavailable form mm. of, um, that nutrient and not everybody can actually make use of folic acid because it takes a couple of steps extra, um, that the body needs to kind of co- do to convert it before you can, you can, the folate can be used. And depending on your genetic makeup, um, I'm going to mention MTHFR here. Um, yeah. but <laughs> take another podcast episode, but um, you know, between 40 and 60 percent of people have this um, SNP in their genetic and uh, in, in their genes, which um, makes them less able to use the folic acid. And actually, it's possible that the folic acid, synthetic folic acid, might even block your use of the folate that comes in from the diet. So. Um, I always recommend folate uh, or a, um, a supplement containing folate. The problem is that there's almost like a monopoly situation with the companies that provide folate mm. for supplement companies. Um, there's only two companies, which means that it's expensive. It's also more difficult to formulate into a supplement. So that in itself makes the folate supplements more expensive because the, the raw materials are more expensive. So, you know, we do get what we pay for it. Uh, the same goes for a lot of the other nutrients that goes into a, um, a, a, a multivitamin, you know, um, it's definitely worth getting, you know, it might say food state on the, um, uh, on the label or, you know, um, yeah, the, I, I would say those are always the better supplement forms to go for. I will, there is a caveat that there had, there is no studies pitching folate against folate, folic acid when it comes to spina bifida. So, you know, we are making the assumption that mm-hmm. folate is as protective, if not more, because it's better absorbed, but mm-hmm. we don't know that there isn't something in folic acid in the synthetic form that has a separate effect aside from, it acting as a folate that actually prevents spina bifida. I mean, in my 10 years of working with clients, uh, I have never come across any client that's had, you know, a problem with their baby. Um, but we don't, we don't have the, the research to prove that it's, you know, has the same effect. And we may never have that because it, you know, it may be unethical to take, to tell mothers to not take folic acid, um, before or during pregnancy so you know that's a bit one one way of knowing whether you've got the mthfr snip actually if you already have a baby and they were tongue-tied yeah um, then that is a sign that actually you may not have utilized the folate adequately that came in from your diet i mean actually i've got two of my babies were tongue-tied which is partly when why i started looking into this yeah um, i always took a folate containing supplements but I was never that good at taking my supplements um, <laughs> I, I do have a really good diet but um you know clearly not enough to stop them from having this issue which then causes feeding issues and you know potentially like crowded teeth and you know lots of tears and painful boobs breastfeeding and all this stuff so you know um but if that has been your experience, then I think it's really worth looking a bit closer at what might be going on or taking this really good quality supplement. Yeah, that's so interesting. And I know, do you, do you test um, MTHFR? I know sometimes I'll use a methylation panel, which is just, you know, 
for the listeners looking at these markers. So it's really looking at your genes and then it kind of helps you modify your diet or your environment to support that um, genetic kind of expression. Do you, do you use that much? I did and I, I've kind of now started to not use it so much because there's so many other tests, I think, that give us more valuable information. And I think that, you know, I don't, I don't do high doses of anything anyway. So, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't do mega doses of folate, even if there is a, a sniff, I just go in with the food. And I kind of always think with testing, um, you know, what's it going to change in terms of my recommendations. And mm. I'm still always going to recommend a really good quality supplement. I would always go to, you know, maybe about 400 micrograms of folate a day, plus the leafy greens, you know, I don't go above that anyway. So part of me feels like, you know, in an, in an ideal world, we would have, you know, an unlimited budget for testing and we could do all of these lovely tests. But some of the research is actually showing that the MTHFR can be on the male side, the male partner side. And so if I'm testing both partners, yeah, like so much money so it's kind of like you know for some people I think yeah it, you know um it can be really really important um but I'm probably moving away from it a little bit now um and you know I've got the snips uh I, I've got the worst possible scenario I've got like the doubles on you know several of the snips and you know I think um, does it change you know it's good to know but does it does it really make a difference yeah, and you've got three three children, so you know whatever you've done <laughs> to support yeah, the body. Yeah, yeah, it didn't affect my fertility for sure. It did affect you know them potentially, but you know with all of this testing, I think I find that it takes quite a long time to get the results back as well. And you know we don't always have that much time. Um, You're absolutely right. Yeah, sorry, go on. Yeah, no, because you know a lot of the time it's like. People unfortunately didn't come to see me when they're starting out trying for a baby. They come after several years of trying and, you know, then we're like kind of, uh, you know, um, want to get going. We haven't got time to lose. So, you know, it's, it is what it is. But, you know, it's a brilliant test if, it's, if you can get it. It's, it's fantastic, you know. Uh, and all the genetic testing is so incredibly exciting for kind of longevity and really ultimate wellness, I think. Yeah. I think it just kind of shows how many tools there is out there. It's a whole new world. If you haven't ever worked with a nutritional therapist or gone down the functional medicine route, you know, there is so many different tools and, you know, obviously yourself as a practitioner will help people choose the ones that are going to be most valuable because you need to be able to do something with the results. And I think, again, it comes back to your four pillars. Can you just clarify what those were? Sorry, Sandra, what? So um, food, yeah, uh, supplements, yeah. and then um, lifestyle, uh, you know, which is like exercise and sleep, really. And then I actually lump kind of self-care into a separate one, even though, uh, you know, that possibly can come under lifestyle, but I kind of focus in my course quite a lot of that. And then um, I've actually got a fifth module, which just focuses on the male side of things as well, because, you know, it's obviously um couples might go through the course together but you know sometimes the guy kind of just wants to know what's relevant to them and so yeah and um one of the final pillars is uh, toxins so we haven't talked so much about that um yet in today but um we are subjected to so many toxins and it can be once you start really looking into it it can be incredibly overwhelming um, you know, it's in the air that we breathe. Um, even the indoor air is more polluted than the out, outdoor air. And sort of, uh, you know, the, the products we put on our skin, in our hair, our makeup, the, the, the plastic containers that we use for our food, the bottles, the, um, you know, the uh, Teflon pans that we're using, the water we drink, you know, it's literally everywhere you can't move the toxins and so what I do is I try and kind of break this down so um, as part of the course or you, you know when I work with somebody we tend to go room by room so we'll go okay you know this 
this today we're going to tackle like kitchen uh, or cleaner materials or you know where can we make some changes where you know we're using sort of potentially less toxic um, uh, skin products or makeup products because you know it, uh, if you're using a conventional body lotion for example and that contains parabens or you know whatever whatever these things contain and you're putting this all over your body that those um, chemicals can actually have a hormonal effect. And so what we try to do is just minimize that. And I would say, if you've already got children, obviously your listeners, you know, mums and dads generally already think about what you're putting in your baby's skin as well. And where, you know, I'm, I get really stressed when I see babies having, you know, the sippy cups and they're plastic and the, and the plates are plastic and the cutleries, but everything's plastic. And um, the BPA-free is such a con because, you know, we know that BPA is harmful, but actually that, BP, that BPA has had to be replaced by something else. And what we're now finding is that some of the research coming out says that those chemicals, the BPS and the BPF, they're actually more toxic. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I would recommend you know glass bottles of feeding the baby if you're not breastfeeding um my kids always had um glasses like um uh, glass glasses like the duralex kind of french style they're completely un- indestructible and so if they dropped them you know that wasn't an issue or you can have like a, a kind of heavy bottom steel cups or something like that and you know children really learn to drink out of a, a glass really young really early if you if you let them um and again with plates you know just go to the charity shop and get some decent plates and you know i know the very very tiny ones would just chuck it on the floor but um you know even the bamboo ones even though you know they're now saying you shouldn't put Mm. too much hot food in them you know if your children don't have like super hot food so you can use the cute bamboo ones that are sustainable or you know coconut shells and things like that that you know don't cost much um if it breaks it breaks but you know at least you're not putting a ton of hormones in your little baby kind of developing body that's potentially going to affect them um and it's just kind of getting that thought process going you know could i get stainless steel containers or a stainless steel uh sippy cup um you know glass food containers instead of the plastic and you know, slowly, slowly kind of just chuck out that, um, those plastics and never, ever, ever put a plastic cup in the f- microwave to hit your baby's milk. Mm. Um, yeah. I've seen that so often and, you know, I just kind of like go, oh. <laughs> I know I think I think it's the thing it's it's what you can do like I I really like your approach of just going through kind of each room or looking at your cosmetics like where can you make the little changes that are going to make the biggest differences because there has been lots of research showing like 300 plus toxins in the umbilical cord Um, so and again this isn't to scare or put pressure on mums it's more empowering because it's improving your health you know these toxins aren't good for your health and um, the effects of that, like we've, we've not spoken much about hormones, which I think is really awesome in a way because there's so many other factors. And if you've got a high toxic load, that can throw out your hormones, can't it? it can, it's putting sort of exogenous hormones into the body and um, yeah. rocking that orchestra. And, and again, it is just those simple swaps. I think so. And, you know, like we talked about the DNA testing before, and as part of doing my DNA um, practitioner certification, I had all my panels done. So the hormones and the detox and the, you know, all all of the kind of um, different panels that you can have. And I have a terror. I mean, I actually had like the worst profile that anybody had ever taken the course. (laughs) Really discouraging, but my detox, system is completely shot to pieces and you know and that explains a lot of my kind of family health issues that have had come before me you know um and and it explains so much you know the gray hair like why why is my hair so gray so soon you know it's like i'm so wrinkly and i look at other people and i'm like why have you not you know and it's just why can't i cope with alcohol you know why do i feel so ill when i just have one glass of alcohol or you know coffee makes me jittery like everything made sense when i got my test results back but actually 
you know, we, we can all optimize our detoxification. It's like even something simple as eating broccoli or eating organic food that doesn't come with the, you know, all, all the petrochemicals on them. And, you know, the, there is research that shows that you have um, uh, higher success rates of IVF when you eat organic food. And yes, it's an investment, but it's an investment in your health at the end of the day and the food tastes better anyway. Absolutely. And it's looking, I, I know it's difficult at the time, but it's looking beyond this initial phase, like the long lasting effects of that and going into motherhood and your whole motherhood journey, journey, starting off nourished and starting off empowered by this information. And um, yeah, I think it's, it's, absolutely so important and something i see actually and i, I don't know if you're seeing this too is immune system issues around fertility um, i'm seeing a lot of kind of people are fine or you know they present fine and then they try to get pregnant and it doesn't happen and when you dig a little bit deeper um there's like raised inflammation or there's maybe an infection in the gut or there's something that kind of smoldering in the belly that we don't see that physiological type imbalance um that then of course can affect hormones and all sorts of other things and um it's almost like stress you mentioned stress as being one of the pillars is that internal stress isn't it that sometimes we just are not aware of or maybe because we're mums already we're powering on through and overriding our symptoms and not listening to those symptoms as such do, do you see much of that like inflammatory causes and immune system issues and infertility yeah so i mean as part of what i do i suppose it's you know it's all a very anti-inflammatory approach but you did yeah. you mentioned the gut and you know i think that anybody with any gut problems that is the place to start because you know the gut really is um so integral to every single process that happens in our body and you know we need to look after those friendly bacteria because if you're if you don't have enough of the right types of friendly bacteria in your gut you're not going to have the right types in your vaginal tract and in your womb either and we know um from some preliminary or some recent studies that um, actually your vaginal microbiome, so that's the community of bacteria that lives inside your vaginal tract, actually can govern also how successful you are at getting pregnant or staying pregnant. Um, so, you know, what, 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 what happens in our gut doesn't stay in the gut, you know, it's, it filters through to everywhere else. And, you know, you pass on your, your uh, microbiome to your baby through the birth canal and also through breastfeeding so it's really important to look after yourself because it's this you know we go back to the fourth trimester i think people focus so much on the baby the baby this the baby that the baby's fine as long as the mom is fine like focus on the mom yeah mom, bring mom food healthy food shove a load of like really good food into her freezer and fridge when you come and see her you know, she doesn't need flowers. Baby doesn't need another baby grow or like rattle. The mum needs food and, you know, she needs you to hold the baby so she can grab a 20 minute nap or a shower or, you know, if she could get out for a massage, like those kind of things. It's really what's going to make the difference for the baby because the baby's going to be fine, you know, but if mum's not fine, everything else falls apart. Too, too right <laughs> been there got the t-shirt and exactly and, and essentially that that's the work I do and you do as well and um I think this postnatal depletion does have a legacy effect like Dr Oscar Serelak has, has written about this and it, it makes complete sense to me and it's it's not rocket science it's support and it's nourishment and it is focusing absolutely on the mum and I love what you said about the like vaginal microbiome. There's so much research coming out now about the oral microbiome and how that kind of mirrors the gut microbiome and the placenta microbiome. Um, and, and I just think it's so fascinating because actually a lot of women I work with have poor oral health or they've had some gingivitis or inflammation. And now I really jump on that because it can tell you a lot about what's going on further down. And, and this is all stuff that we can massively support um, quite easily through foods, plant-based foods and probiotics. It's, it's very powerful. And yes, the, the gut definitely is a good place to start. And 
just on, on sort of off that a little bit before we go about stress, because I think it is one of those things you're absolutely right. There's so many people out there that say, just relax and you'll be fine or, you know, just don't think about it, it'll happen. And it's so infuriating for people to hear that. Um, but I think when we start to understand stress and how it kind of um, expresses in the body, it's not just emotional, it's physiological, that can be quite helpful because toxins in itself, you know, dealing with those is taking stress off the body, isn't it? And that's something we can all do. What's your, your sort of approach when it comes to stress? So I always um, try to help people understand how how it affects the brain. So w- when we are, how should I explain it? So the brain basically governs. The brain is like the master, the conductor. So we have an orchestra and we have a conductor. So the brain is literally telling the rest of the body what's, what, what, what you're supposed to be doing. And what it's doing is it's listening. So there's a feedback loop all the time and your brain's actually listening to your breathing. Are you holding your breath? Are you breathing properly throughout the day? Are you running around like a lunatic and not stopping to, you know, eat your food or you're eating, standing up while reading emails on your phone? You know, are you running on that treadmill um, after work when you're already knackered? you know, because you need to lose that stone to get to the IVF, you know, cut off point or whatever. What is this telling your brain? It's telling your brain that you're stressed. It's telling your brain that now is not a good time to make a baby because we are running away from something that's potentially going to kill us because our brain is kind of reptile in a, in a kind of, you know, um, in a sense, it hasn't moved on since the Paleolithic times or, or whatever it is. It still works on the premise that if you are stressed, those chemicals that are flooding your body, they are helping you either to heal from a cut because you, you may be about to get you know, attacked by an animal or they help you run away. And what happens is, you know, your blood clots. We don't want our blood to be clotting um, inappropriately. Uh, for example, because, you know, that doesn't really help us with our blood flow and nourishment of, you know, the placenta and the womb and all this. We don't want, um, we don't want energy diverted away from the digestive system because when we're stressed, energy goes to, um, you know, helping you run away from that dangerous animal. It doesn't, you know, we're not focusing on digesting that sandwich that we just had for lunch. And um, it's all of these things. So your body's kind of listening and looking at what's going on. What are the, um, what's the feedback that it's getting from the rest of the body? And then it decides what hormones to then put out based on that, that feedback. So we want to look after our brain and tell our brain that we're safe. We are, you know, nourished. We're not in a, in a situation where we're, you know, starving or running away. And so, um, I think that that really helps with the kind of um, understanding of, I suppose, what, you know, where we need to focus our attention. So if we are really stressed or highly anxious, you know, do we need to go and do some meditation or a, a, a gentle yoga class? Um, you know, where can we start to kind of intercept those damage, potentially damaging messages that are going up to the brain? And, you know, take five deep breaths in the toilet if you're having a, um, you know, a tough day or take, take a 20 minute break for lunch you know we should all be able to do that away from our desk yeah and absolutely little things to start sending those kind of healthy messages yeah and I, I do honestly believe that sets you up for your whole motherhood journey I think it's so important that you can get those kind of um, create those spaces for micro self-care or small you know little bits of self-care to help you be more in that state where you can heal, you can deal with life's kind of toxins and stresses, that more parasympathetic kind of state. So important. Um, Wow. Like you've shared so much. I'm so grateful that you came on and yeah, you're just such a wealth of knowledge, Sandra. And I wondered if you could just leave us with what are maybe some of your top tips that some of our listeners could go away and do today to create more sort of health and nourishment and then i'd love to hear about um 
the program and what the support that you offer as well and how people can get in touch with you um okay so what can you do so i mean i you know i always think food first like you can you can do all the self-care and you know whatever in the world but if you're not eating properly and actually digesting properly which comes back to the kind of taking time to eat your meals and and you know being mindful of chewing your food and really um, digesting and absorbing those nutrients uh you know that isn't number one um eat plenty of fruit and vegetables make sure you're getting those healthy proteins in healthy fats and um look at your carbohydrates you know are they predominantly white you know try and swap them for you know so white potato for maybe a sweet potato or you know white rice for maybe try some quinoa or, or brown rice you know just very simple swaps it's just you know where can you do a, a really easy swap uh, without kind of putting too much pressure on yourself to you know be perfect um and then i think sleep is actually incredibly important um and don't underestimate the power of a good night's sleep because you know that changes the hormones completely you know it reduces stress hormones it reduces the hormones that makes us hungry it increases the hormones that makes us feel full you know um, so if you're trying to lose weight actually sleeping more and better is going to really help you um and um you know, make sure that you understand what is happening with your, you know, understand what, what tests you have had done, you know, have you had all the basic tests, you know, make sure you've got a semen analysis and that you've read it properly, you know, are, are the numbers borderline, you can look at the ranges and if they're borderline, you know, with the semen analysis, with the, you know, any of the hormone tests, try to understand more about that and you know email me ask me if you know um, there's a I mean I'm always happy to recommend books or you know so happy to kind of recommend resources um, and understand what's going on and before jumping into IVF I, I suppose really focus on that nourishment of yourself and understanding you know what are the underlying causes have we had all the tests that we need to have before going into this mm. you know have we had a vaginal scan have we had a um you know have we, do we know what the shape of the uterus is you know because the shape of your uterus can actually prevent um sometimes the pregnancy from sticking and it's it's you know you might assume that you've had a normal you've been told that you're normal because you've had a scan but you need a, a specific type of scan for that so it's just kind of understanding you know have i have we exhausted all of the kind of avenues before going into this, um, you know, IVF um, situation, you know, and I think actually preparing for pregnancy is not just for people who have been struggling, it's for everybody. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think those are the things really understand what's going on, you know, get some support from, an, you know, a nutritionist who specializes in, in this area, um, you know, get your supplements, you know, get some good quality supplements. I think at the at the very least, a multivitamin and a fish oil, a really good quality fish oil. Um, but I suppose you know, if you can afford it, I think a, even just one session with a nutritional therapist can really help you get you know so clear on the steps you need to take, and I think can also save you money in the long run and kind of making sure you're taking the right supplements and not wasting time and money on the the ones that you shouldn't be taking um yeah. so does, that, does that help or does that make <laughs> no that that, absolutely I think that's brilliant advice and, and I totally agree I think it can reduce so much stress and overwhelm by just coming to see and I would say someone that specializes having worked yeah. in that area a bit myself um <laughs> it definitely is a specialist area so just going on from that where can we find you and and what sort of um support are you providing Sandra so I, uh, I work one-on-one -on -one with clients um, online. So I have an online clinic uh, and I, I see people all over the world. Um, I also have a course um, which is, um, covers all of the basics. And um, I try to encourage people actually to do the course before we work together. And you do get discounted um, a kind of uh, a rates as well working with me if you've done the course because, uh, you know, 
I'm only going to be telling you the things that I'm telling you as part of the course. And what, what I find in the course is the community and the Facebook group of the women that I work, you know, that are going through the same thing together is so supportive mm-hmm. um, because making changes can be quite hard. So um, the, the link for that is bit.ly mm. slash fertility foundations. And that's just one word. It's all lowercase. Um, you can also find me on Instagram. I'm um, at Sandra Greenbank underscore fertility. Um, and the link to my course is in, in my um, profile on that as well. And uh, that's probably the best place to find me. If you send me a DM, I will always get back to you. Um, you can email me as well. Um, I'm hello at sandragreenbank.co.uk. And um and I have a podcast as well, which is also called Fertility Foundations. It's very new at the moment, but um, I've covered so far. I've covered hormone testing, um, thyroid, um, in-depth in conversation about thyroid and fertility, uh, PCOS uh, as well, and we have lots and lots and lots of kind of in-depth conversations about you know all of the kind of really um, important bits. So you know, feel free to go and, and look that up on iTunes and. Um, yeah, I think that that's, that's it really. Amazing. And I definitely recommend um, getting in touch with you and listening to your podcast. I was listening to the Dr. Carrie Jones episode before we jumped on here and yeah, it's just awesome. So, and you're absolutely right. Like some of the stuff we've just kind of touched on, but you go into much more detail and obviously through the programs that you run as well. So Um, I really recommend getting in touch with you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. I know you're busy. Um, I'm very grateful that you've come on and we've had this this chat. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's It's been really nice talking to you. Yeah, it's been great. Thank you so much, Sandra. See ya. Okay, bye. Well, thank you, Sandra. That was really, really awesome and informative. Um, And thank you everyone for listening. If you would like to find out more or get in touch with Sandra, I have put the link to her website in the show notes along with her social media platforms. As mentioned at the beginning, Sandra has kindly given us a discount code to be used on her online course. The online course is a three-month course, which is an easy-to-follow natural preconception course for couples wanting to conceive. The discount code is Annie and it gives you £40 off until the end of this year, so the end of 2019. I have also put the link to the course in the show notes, so thank you Sandra and please do check that out. If you enjoyed the show, please let me know and if you're feeling super inspired, please leave me a review. I have a community for mums on Facebook, it's called the BU Mum Community. This is a closed group, a fun, safe space where you can come along and connect with other mums who are also on their own health journey, as well as find inspiration, information, and get empowered to reconnect with you so you can grow into your best self. So please do come along and join, spread the love and share your magic. I will be back next week with another episode of the Be You Mum podcast. So until then, have a great week, everyone.